This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Mark Perry. I'm the writer of Dark Shadows Reincarnation, and you're listening to Vampires and Slayers. I'm Ed Gross, and this is Vampires and Slayers, the podcast devoted to the undead and those who would like to return them to the grave. Sometimes you hear the title of something and your curiosity is instantly aroused. That was certainly the case with Jim Town's novel, Bloodsucker City. It's been described as a female Shawshank Redemption with fangs. Needless to say, we were drawn in and sat down with Jim to find out what inspired this idea and why, given the fact that he's a filmmaker, we haven't seen a movie version yet. Well, it seems like that's a distinct possibility down the road. I actually couldn't wait for this conversation, which led into a whole discussion of the vampire genre and the little twists that can be done to create stories separate and apart from what we've seen before over the decades since the original Nosferatu. The premise of this thing, of Bloodsucker City. All right. Uh, it just, it seems to intrigue people immediately, the whole idea of, you know, Shawshank Redemption with women and vampires. And vampires. Uh, so what triggered that? I mean, where, you know, is there any way of looking back and seeing where this concept sort of came from? Well, the 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 book has an interesting... Uh, origin. I'm I'm a filmmaker primarily, uh, right. and I've only recently more gotten into into fiction writing. Uh, I should say back into fiction writing. Um, so I originally saw it as a uh, as a as a screenplay, and I wrote it in about 2013 or so. Um, it's one of those backwards engineering things where I figured out the ending first, and then had to figure out what kind of story I could put together where someone has to get to the point where they can, we can have that ending in the, in the, in the film at the time. Um, So that's how it it kind of, it kind of assembled itself. Um, Yeah. I don't know where the, you know, I, I had, I was a big fan of the, there was an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer Mm -hmm. with uh, the gentleman Right. It's, it's the, it's, it's the, oh, the three it's guys, the with, right. The three, the three guys. Yeah. Yeah. The the where they, lose all, yeah, yeah. they all lose their voices and they can't speak and stuff. And, and uh, uh, Doug Jones uh, plays the, the, the lead one. And there, it was this thing where there's these tall, nice, elegant guys who are very polite. And, and I just had this idea of like, like I haven't seen that in, in vampires in a while. It was this, it was this kind of um, they're, they're kind of, bemused by people that they're they've been around so long and they've seen so many normal humans come and go and live and die and spend them at their own hands that that they just find the whole thing vaguely amusing uh at this point right um and 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 they're polite and that's the other thing is like 
Like it's creepy when someone's pol- being polite to you, but you know they don't exactly have your interests at heart. Uh, at the same time, you know, it's it's so false and stuff. But they but they're smiling in your face. And I work in Hollywood, so I know something about that. <laughs> yeah, just um, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and and that's just sort of it. You know, they say everything's been done. You know, yeah. I, I mean, any good idea you have. If I have some an idea that I think is really great, I I just assume there's six other people out there doing the same thing because it's just part of the zeitgeist, right? You know, we've all seen the same movies, we've all watched the same shows, read the same books, read the same comics. Um, so what I tend to do is I just try and take, I try and look at things like like what what two things can I combine that don't normally go together, and and can create something new and inventive that's kind of a hybrid that 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 has a better chance of being more original. Um. My film House of Bad in, in that I, I made just 10 years ago this year um, with the whole idea was like, what if what if you do a heist movie where, where you know, these these three sisters steal a whole bunch of heroin from the one drug dealer boyfriend, they're going to sell it and make a, you know, thing so they hole up in their family house, but their family house is haunted. Right. So it's like a haunted heist movie, right? You, you take That's these cool. two yeah. Yeah. I, random things and that, that shouldn't go together, but you figure out a way to do that. And that that's just how it came about. Um, yeah. And, and Unfortunately, I wrote it and, and I was shopping it around right around the time the twilight was hitting its its peak. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wanted to make a vampire film in 2013, 2014. No, it just wasn't. <laughs> twilight seems incredible to think of. But yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. I still get notes about on, on the on the book where people are saying like, oh, this is so good. I'm so tired of sparkly vampires. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> I thought that, that's like it's like going on like eight or nine years ago now. But that 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 franchise and i don't i'm not disparaging the franchise itself I, i've not read the books i think i saw one in the movies and it seemed yeah. fine it definitely found an audience that's oh, for sure there's an audience there's no question yeah, whatever yeah. you think of it there's an audience yeah yeah exactly yeah. um and it, it it it's probably an entryway for a lot of people into the genre um but from a professional standpoint i'll say that 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 film left a bit of a scar on the industry as far as the vampire genre goes mm, and um and and it 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 kind of put the the nail in the coffin, shall we say, uh, for for a little bit, um, and that's obviously you know the the industry's kind of come back and 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 we're seeing a lot more kind of vampire type. Oh, content. there's like ten projects that, on the way. It's it's amazing yeah. how many oh, vampire yeah. projects yeah. there are. But that did uh, that that did kill the the film's chances at the time, and and then you know I I'd reached a point where I was thinking like, what if I make it a comic book? What if I do a thing? You know, and then. And then, yeah, and 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 I did a. Uh, this is a really long answer to your question. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I I did a uh, I did a film in 2014 that is just now getting finished now. So it's like about seven, six, seven, wow, six, seven okay. years in, in post. And we had some delays and and, and issues uh, uh, during that time. And um and that's what I didn't really have another project because you're kind of only as good as your last project. And right. uh, my last project had, wasn't coming out. And that's when I turned back into uh, into fiction writing and started doing a lot of short stories and getting those things published. And when it time came time to do a novel, you know, this 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 just kind of popped up and was like, let's let's see how this works as prose. And right. And it, it totally there you go. Re- it totally there you go. Uh, but it totally reads the concept of it rather reads as it, this should be a movie. I mean, just from the concept, you hear it and it's like, oh, that's a movie. So, you know, yeah. whether or not you someday I, I guess, still do I guess it. that's me writing from a visual standpoint. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, obviously I wrote it as a screenplay to be seen, not not read. And then when I translate that over in, into into prose, I think it still retains some of that. And which is great. That's 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 how I 
navigate through this, you know, format of, of, of creativity has been great, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, and the good thing is I've got two or three other scripts that nobody wanted to make that I can I turn can, those can, into books. I can just turn those into books now. Yeah. I, I, I have my own little cottage industry. Yeah. It's great. Now are you thinking of taking Bloodsucker City and doing it as a comic or graphic novel, as, as you uh, mentioned? I think, I think it'd be great as that. Um, uh, I, when it came out, I was a huge fan of uh, uh, 30 days of night, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Niles, Ben Templesmith, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, beautiful art and just a great, great concept and a great, um uh uh imaginings of, of a different type of vampire i have the I have the uh the movie version that i love too that is right over here um that i watch every once in a while it's just a visually amazing film um right. talk about not sparkly vampires right uh, <laughs> yeah just about as far removed from them as you can get yeah, yeah this is like great. this is my type of vampire this is great oh, yeah. um yeah uh uh, but I would I would love to yeah someday like think about this as, as a comic and stuff because I start I started in comics I, I don't know if you know I I actually yeah. um I graduated from Savannah College of Art and Design with a sequential art degree it was their brand new oh wow ninety their their brand new program for comic books um and for animation design and and storyboarding and any anything where it's like a sequence of sure you know, sequential arts a sequence of drawings that turn into uh, uh, something visual um. Yeah, and then I lived in New York and for a few years, and I, I did some comics. I worked on the Matrix uh, comic, the, oh, okay. the the web comic that came out, right, um, right, right when the first film came out. I read, I read the Matrix script. You know, I think they they're filming it, but it wasn't out yet. I don't think the trailer had even been out yet. And uh, and I read, and I was like, what is this? This this is dumb as hell. What right. is this? And it just goes to oh. show, like, you know, you can't always judge, right? No. Based on based on just the words. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> then then that happened. Uh, yeah. So, so again, it's just, it's just finding the, the right format for the project. And, and I'd still would love to do this, um, uh, as a film, we did some test, uh, stills when I was trying to get the film made. And I worked with, uh, a friend of mine named Steph Dawson, uh, mm-hmm. actress, this, uh, you know, really, really great, uh, redhead actress from Australia. And then, uh, obviously this didn't happen, but then she went on and was in the hunger games movies. Oh, okay. So, I don't know the Hunger Games story, but she's she's kind of a key character towards the end of in the in the Mockingjay films. Okay, I don't know that well either. So her, yeah, so so her career took off, which is great for her. So it'd be great to be great to reunite with her and talk about her project at some point. Absolutely, you know, you know, you said two things that were interesting. Oh, well, more than two things, but I'm saying two things that I wanted to comment on is one when you said the thing about um, you know the the they're what they're presenting underlying the truth basically of what they are when you're talking about the gentleman. And just so you know that when I interviewed uh, Jonathan Frid from Dark Shadows, I don't know if you know Dark Shadows or not, oh, wow. uh, the soap opera, he yeah, talked yeah. about his whole thing about playing vampire Barnabas Collins is that he didn't care about the fang business. What he got was the lie that Barnabas was pretending to be this normal, nice guy from England. And mm-hmm. underneath it all, he's really this horrible creature. Right. Uh, you know, and that is, wow. that's the thing that motivated him through the entire portrayal of Barnabas Collins. Oh, wow. that's so neat you got to meet him wow and talk to him wow what a- oh, there was a period i was hanging out with him on sundays uh, going through his files and stuff i was trying to research a book that's on dark amazing. shadows so yeah that's it was amazing in the 80s. oh wow it was, it was let me tell you it was pretty cool talk uh, about it talk, talk about a, a a little niche in the vampire culture that show is just has you know i've i've i know people that have watched the whole thing which is it's like hundreds of hours right i mean it's 1225 it's a, episodes that's amazing 
days. It's on five days a week. Yeah, because it was a, it was like a a, a, a soap, soap opera. opera. I mean, yeah. it was on five days a week, right? Five days wow. a week for five years, uh, six years, five yeah. years, five years. Yeah. Wow! Wow! That's, yeah. That, that's 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 a that's a lot of content. That's major. and it brought the it really introduced the idea of the sympathetic vampire. It was the first one in which a vampire was portrayed as a sympathetic, right, dr- uh, filled with angst mm-hmm, portray- mm-hmm. Uh, version of a vampire, which really hadn't been. Yeah, up till then we we just had Lugosi and Christopher Lee, exactly who were who were the the fiends. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, because I I do a a, I do the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. I do a a whole podcast where we just focus on uh, Universal Horror. Okay, and we're we're like I don't know, I think we're like twenty five episodes in now um, with my 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 co host Scott Kelly. Um, So we 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 discuss this kind of thing a lot, and we talk about how you you, if you really break it down, almost all the the classic Universal monsters are sympathetic monsters the frankenstein monster and you know the wolf man definitely the, wolf the man, creature yeah, from sure. the black lagoon you know all these characters and there's just a few it's like it's kind of like the phantom of the opera is not too sympathetic uh, you know a little bit in the claude mm. rains version um but dracula is the one that's just like you're not sympathetic you oh, don't no. sympathize with that guy you're just no he's 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 the the obstacle right exactly um, yeah, as as opposed to whatever, which is which which is great when you had those monster mash movies, is because you could have the Wolfman be a hero mm-hmm. and Dracula's the villain, and it's great. Yeah, Abbott and Costello running around and all what have you. Is it um, is Costello meet Frankenstein? I don't know about you, but I think that's a great one. And the reason I think it's a great one is because Abbott and Costello are true to themselves, and the Universal Heart monsters are you true to themselves. Nobody's yes. spoofing the monsters. They're treated seriously. No, 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 no. It's, it's a, uh, I, and, and I think it's a masterpiece. I watched it at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's in my perennial in my, in my top 20 films of all time. Cause it's the, it was my, it was my gateway drug too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 47. So when I was growing up, uh, VHS hadn't hit yet. It, it was like maybe mm-hmm. third, fourth grade. We, we got a VCR. Um, so, so, and I was obsessed with the Universal Monsters, but you couldn't watch the movies. They weren't available and they didn't, weren't showing them much, you know, on TV or at the time in, in right. Pittsburgh when I grew up. But what they were showing was they would show Amna Costello Frankenstein every couple of Sundays mm-hmm. on, on uh, WPTT in, in, in Pittsburgh would do uh, Abbott and Costello hour. And, um, and that was my thing. That's how I got into, I mean, what I do today is partially based on that because of that film i mean that that imprinted very heavily wow and i think you're right it's 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 perfect we um we just did on the podcast we're i'm saving i'm gonna call so many frankenstein for for a while because it's a big deal for me on the on mm-hmm. the show um but we just did Abner costello meet jekyll and hyde okay with boris karloff right uh, that they did a couple years after after the frankenstein one and you realize like something very special happened with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein where it works. It fires on all cylinders. It's perfect. And by the time they get to Jekyll and Hyde, it's, it's almost like Abbott and Costello are guest starring in a, yeah. a Dr. Jekyll film kind of, it's just, the writing's not quite there. The gags don't sell as well. Cause they were already into formula by then. There'd been like yeah, three yeah, or four of these. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of phoning it in yeah. at this point. Um, yeah. But, but man, yeah. Frankenstein. The, the fact that there's a, a castle in the middle of Florida and you'd never question it. Yeah. When I was little, I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's Dracula's Castle. It's, it's, it's in Florida, whatever. Yeah, you know? Right by I'm, Disney World. I'm hazy on the whole geography thing. I'm like yeah. 10 years old, whatever. Um, yeah, no, absolute masterpiece. And and I think what's amazing about the vampire, and I was just talking about this on, on another uh, podcast that friend, friends might have, is it, this, the vampire character uh, molds itself to whatever you need it to be. 
It, yeah. It's it's so fluid, and it it can be Bela Lugosi in in Abner Kosomi, you know Frankenstein. It can be Christopher Lee. It can be, um, you know, the uh, uh, Danny Houston in Thirty Days of Night. Um, it can be Tom Cruise in Interview right. with the Vampire. You know, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and in literature, it can be anything else. And it can be a symbol for anything you want it to be. It can be a symbol for disease. It can be like, you know, Nosferatu is sort of almost a, 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 a touchstone for the plague right. uh, in, 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 the, in the silent film there. Um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's so malleable. And I think that's probably the, the, the character's longevity is, is based on that, I think. I think it just has these legs that keep going and going. And it can, it can adapt for each gen- new generation of writer or, you know, filmmaker. And it does. It's amazing to me. It's like, that's one of the things I'm always amazed by is the vampire genre. I think the fifties were the weakest period for them, I think, except mm. for horror of Dracula. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and that, but outside of that, I think pretty much every decade has had its wave of vampire films. Oh yeah. And some classics have come out of each of those waves. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and it's it's generational. You can pass these movies down to yeah. you know you know younger people who who appreciate you know the same things you did growing up at their age and 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 it's it's uh it's just it's like a it's just like a dark side of our pop of our pop culture. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it is a because Dracula is a pop culture character now. I mean, I mean, he and oh, Frankenstein sure. Monster they they've evolved in this thing where you know. I think once you're on a breakfast cereal, you're just thinking the same thing and you're, and you're, and you're a Muppet and you're, Uh uh, you know, it's, it's, you've entered, like I say, the the zeitgeist. So people, it, it, like I say, it's a pop culture myth because people know the story of Dracula who've never read the book Mm -hmm. or even probably watched one of the movies all all together. My, my wife, I don't know if my, I think my wife's probably watched the Bella. I made her watch the Bella Lugosi version, I think. But even before that, I think she could have told me, no, Dracula is the guy. He lives in Transylvania. And, and, it just because you can't avoid it right in our culture it's like it's like knowing who c-3po is you, you don't yeah. have to have seen star wars you just know who c-3po is because it's he's there the superman s you know what yeah. it is oh yes if you yeah, don't no, sit exactly. there watching the movies right i mean it's, exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right <laughs> right behind you yeah exactly yeah i don't believe you this room is filled with it but anyway nice uh, uh, yeah the other thing is too is like i like your blending of two different things and that the vampire thing particularly said that to me Years ago, I used to sit there saying, okay, the odd couple with fangs. What's the odd couple with fangs? A priest and a vampire share a living space. Uh, what happens? When you, right? That's a good idea. Great uh, idea. You know, um, and that kind of thing. You just sit there and think of like, oh, well, something with fangs. And then you get yes. an interesting new twist on, on a vampire thing or a premise. You, you, you can do anything. Like, what if there's a detective, but he's a vampire? What if there's yeah. a, you know, cop, but he's a, they did that. They did. They did it. What was that 90s show? Uh, Forever Night. Forever night. Yeah. See, yeah, that's, 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 uh, uh, yeah, no, you can. And that's the beauty of it. Like even a show, like, uh, you know, the character angel from Buffy, the vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. right. He's angel, but then he becomes angelus and right. then he can become angel again. I mean, oh, yeah. this back and forth, the evil and uh, they got everything they needed from, from that. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes on, he has his own show for oh, yeah. five years. Yeah. Five years. Of they do the episode where he gets turned into the Muppet, which is one of my <sighs> other favorite episodes of television ever which is like like you only get to do that after years and years of like people trusting you and stuff and, and then when you when you go to the network and you're like okay here's what we're going to do this episode and 
It might. It leads a Muppet. And Ben Edlund yeah. wrote it, and Ben is just nuts. In I've been way. in some of those. I've been in some of those network meetings with yeah. on, on shows I worked on. <laughs> they pitch something, you just get this kind of yeah, right. <laughs> this blank. <laughs> I can imagine Angel becomes a Muppet, but at that point they probably it's threw terrible. up their hands and didn't care anymore. Uh, uh, yeah, the producer, it's the last I mean, year we're canceling it anyway. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Let Angel be a Muppet. Who cares? Right. All right. All right. Um, yeah, but but you know, uh, again, like like uh, what we do in the shadows is so popular right now, mm-hmm. and it's a comedy about yeah, Empire. yeah, exactly right. And there's there's so much to be mined for that. Thanks thanks to uh, thanks to Bram Stoker for uh, adapting this this Slavic myth into yeah. something that was you know, I mean, we can go back and forth about the the xenophobia of of, of Dracula, but but it did it did introduce this character in a big way to the West um, as as a as a as a sex symbol as a because that's yeah. the other thing we talk about like like you know that the subset of the vampire culture is just dracula culture mm-hmm. and dracula can be anything you want dracula can be um you know he can be the you know this, this dark romantic guy he can be a sort of a i mean i've i've read comics where he's kind of the hero you know right. and and since ever since uh especially the the coppola film in the nineties, now there's this extra thing where you can, you, you take the, the actual, you know, Vlad Tepesh, the, 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 the Valachian warlord in the middle ages. And who's, who's, you know, who's kind of Romania's George Washington, you know, he's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a hero so, yeah. there. I mean, he, you yeah, know, he, yeah. he, I'm not sure that everyone thinks his methods were, were, were great. They're kind of not. barbaric, but, <laughs> but he did, he saved, he yeah. saved Eastern Europe from the, the Turkish empire. Um, right. Uh, but so, so you have this other, you know, I don't think I, I, like Stoker alludes to that just a little bit, but, but I think more recently, everyone's had a lot of fun with taking like the, the myth and the, the historical character yes, and, and, and finding where that, where that, those two meet. Yeah, exactly. Well, even did that movie, was it Dracula Untold? Uh, yeah. With, yeah. with Luke Evans as Dracula, Luke Evans, it yeah, was yeah, based yeah. on the Vlad thing. And then they just... Mm-hmm incorporated and turned him into Dracula mm-hmm. at the end. Alex Proyas was going to do that at first, uh, uh, originally, uh, like years before that, that version of it got made. Um, you know, the guy oh, did yeah. the crow, yeah. uh, had this whole, Oh my gosh. Like I've seen the production art for it. And it was like, so it seems like that would have been an awesome movie. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, is this a genre you you'll be dipping yourself back into again or creatively? Will you be dropping back? I, into I, the I, I think so. Yeah. I've, I've got, um, two other screenplays i've got i've got one absolute finished screenplay that i i really would like to do um that that's a vampire story and it's 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 a little bit um it's a little bit it, it sort of tracks with um from stoker's book uh except it's it's set in pittsburgh where i'm from okay and it's set in the polish community in pittsburgh which pittsburgh has a very strong polish uh, community there's actually a part of pittsburgh called polish hill Not and and I, I, it's a, it's a, it's called Iron Tooth, and um, there's a, there's a myth in Eastern Europe and parts of Poland that that vampires have metal teeth, and that's what they use to chomp their way out of coffins, to, to oh, get out. Thing. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, well, what if you know? Okay, so, so you know, this is much more a a, a less polite version of, of a vampire, and it's much more like a Nosferatu type character. Mm. that um that a, a polish, like yeah that a, a polish soldier uh encounters in world war one uh and escapes but but leaves documents because he's a courier he leaves documents and the vampire figures out who he is and the vampire then goes and and, and he imprisons the vampire uh, as he escapes iron tooth the vampire takes revenge on him by once he escapes by by killing a member of his family through the generations 
every generation, he shows up every couple years, every 20 years or whatever, and, and kills one of this soldier's descendants. Wow. That's cool. All the way up to present day Pittsburgh, where the sort of the last scion of this guy's family is this young, troubled uh, teenage girl. And, and sure enough, the vampire shows up in, in modern day Pittsburgh, you know, to, to finish the job and hilarity ensues. Um, yeah. <laughs> Somehow I don't think he'll finish the job, but yeah, something yeah, tells yeah. me. He but, uh, but, but I love the idea of setting it in this kind of like ensconced culture within a modern city. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cause you get, you know, my, my, my wife is of Polish de- uh, descent. She's born in California, but she's, her family is from Poland. And we've been back there where she's from. And, and in cent- this, this is more like central Pennsylvania, but like that culture is very predominant there. And many things haven't changed through mm. the generations. Like, you know, everyone lives in the modern world, but there's a, there's a lot of callback to the old country. And I think that's, that's really neat and atmospheric. Absolutely. So you know. yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. I, I pitched it to Guillermo de Toro one time and he was like, oh, you know, I'm kind of doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Gamro's always got a million projects. Yeah, he was pretty like busy amazing. at the time. Yeah. Um, he's always busy. Yeah. So um, we'll see. I had one conversation with him. I don't know if it was at the time as of that movie he made. Was it Crimson? It's Crimson something about the ghost, the ghost story. Um, yeah. Can't think of the name Crim- of it. Crimson Peak. There you go. Crimson Peak. And I just remember in that conversation, he talked about the champions and old TV show he's going to make a movie on. Yeah. The Hobbit he was involved with. Oh, right. uh, you know, he just went on and on with this list of things that he was working on. Of course, 98 percent yeah, of them yeah. didn't happen. But, you know, as uh, a comp- compulsive worker, man. And, and you know, then he's, he's co-authoring books and, you know, he's oh, got, yeah. he had this the stand. There's a there's a vampire story. The stand, the uh, the the, uh, the strain, right? The strain, the strain. The strain. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I go back and rewatch that. I, we watched it all the way through. It's one of the things you kind of binge and then you wake up the next day and you don't remember a whole lot of it because you watched it. Because you binged it. I know. That's the bad yeah. thing about binging. Yes. Yeah. I got to go back and like check that out. I, really, yeah. I remember really digging it. No, absolutely. You know, so now you're making films. I mean, is it is it hard to do that today or is it easier than it used to be? What do you think? I mean, in terms of making films. Yes and yes. Okay, um, then. It's, it's, you know, the, 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 the way technology has, has, come around and and brought the tools of filmmaking to to everybody right um the great thing is that everybody can make a movie now mm-hmm. and kind of the problem is that everybody can make a movie now so so like everybody <clears throat> can write a book on amazon right anybody yes, can publish a yes. book yeah so so yeah I, I don't i don't like calling people competition but there there's obviously you know there there's there's so much content that can come out at any given time and and then there's so much so, so many people's creative projects ready to ready to come out so what you end up is 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 you end up in sort of the buyer's market deal it's like real estate where you know when when a when a distributor only has like a choice of three films a year they're going to pay more for those things because it's a commodity right Right. when they have three thousand films to pick from it's not as much of a commodity so yeah i i would say it's it's easier to make um, movies now it's harder to make a living making movies now yeah. Uh, it's much more challenging and nobody's making what they used to. Um, and, and, but just like anything, the way I think that you, uh, you stand out is by making something really good. And, and it's surprising how 
I was just talking with my producer, Sadie Katz. We're, we're going to start uh, shooting a new film. Okay. Uh, it's an exorcism film. So I'm really excited. Cool. To this. I've never, I've never really messed with this genre before. Yeah. Um, uh, um, we were just discussing it. it. It's surprising. I think how, how rarely the idea of making something really good is foremost in people's mind when they're attacking a project. Like, like it seems intuitive. And yet I talk to people and, and, and I, it's just not always the priority, right? There's other priorities that take over. And it's like, I think we need to step back and keep focusing on the, the whole making it good uh oh yeah yeah it's 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 easy to get caught up in in the details of things and not have that not step back and have that wider perspective i mean i just watched my wife and i watched um a movie i think it, it's kind of an old movie i i say old by like 2004 uh but it's a the movie called dinner with schmucks with oh, yeah, steve, I know, steve I know carroll carroll yeah steve carroll yeah uh, i know the film i never seen it yeah but the point is it was such an incredibly unfunny movie and so re- like we just sat there. We didn't laugh once through the entire movie. Right. And it was supposedly a comedy. And yeah. that to me, and that was the question we asked each other. It's like, did, did they not know what they were making when they were making this? I mean, did, did yeah, someone yeah. not pay attention to the fact that this just isn't funny? It's, it's, it's hard when you get into the studio stuff, because there's a lot of kind of, you know, creativity by committee. Uh, uh, that happens and you just never know. Um, but I do, I'm, I'll just say like, I do, I really enjoy working in the horror genre. Um, and I've been messing around a little bit with, with some more comedy in within the stuff I do mm. um, because e- either it's, it's a challenge because it either works or it, is, or it doesn't. It's either scary or it's not scary. And if you make a horror movie, that's not scary. Have you really made a horror movie, right? If, if you've made a comedy, that's not funny. Have you really made a comedy? It's <laughs> a good um, question. I like, I like things that are subtle. I like things that are, you know, a little, a little, um, that aren't too, too, too in your face. Right. Um, and, and, and I've had a lot of people accuse me of, of making very subtle horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of horror. If you look at, yeah, What's scary is just a lady standing in a corner. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been accused of that, but I, I just, I, I like to not, I like to not give it a hundred percent to the audience. I like to give the audience, you know, 50 to 70% and let them bring, Sure. their context and fill in fill in the rest and i just think that's i i, I think something you're doing will have longer legs that way and it might not you know erupt at first but i think it'll like house of bad just every every couple of years for some reason it, it gets like a little bit of a of a of a resurgence um it just came up on Tubi okay. this last year right um the distributor put it up there after after a bunch of years and uh and suddenly you know we're getting people reaching out and, and stuff and discovering it and you know this this 10 year old movie um you know, it's, 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 it's neat that way, you know, I mean, um, you know, hopefully that the, uh, people still will be bringing enjoyment to people, um, uh, uh, you know, after, after long, after you're able to actually do it for, for real. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, now when you're writing, do you take a similar, uh, what's your approach to writing then? Are you saying how you approach, like you give like to give the audience when you're making a film 60 to 70% of the horror thing what's your approach in the writing is that is that totally different or is there a certain element of yeah, that as I, well? I i do like to i, I do like to you know lovecraft did this so well i think this the scariest thing anyone's gonna read is is the thing they're imagining themselves right so, right. so you do want to leave a little bit of that open and lovecraft does it so well when 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 whenever in, inevitably when one in one of his short stories when the person is finally confronted with the elder god evil thing whatever you know at the end um 
he he suddenly he throws a lot of adjectives at it but he he always describes it it's like a blurry watercolor you know he doesn't he, he gives you the impression of the thing without bogging you down in a lot of words explaining to you exactly what it is mm. and, and and he lets you fill in the the horror there and i i think a lot of people i i think that's almost become the the, the way to to do it because i think everyone's seen that and been like well that's you know kind of how you do it um rather than be hyper descriptive so so in the book in 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 yeah in uh, bloodsucker city uh i like to create the i like to when the characters stay down in solitary confinement there's the whole the things you know bad things are happening um i like to almost try and get in get into it from from the character's perspective and and let the reader um vibe with what what she's experiencing Right. Because she isn't all knowing. Right. She's not omniscient. So 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 you're you're left with that kind of point of view. And I think that just that makes it kind of scary. I mean, and so so I'm trying to write the way I would film it, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be consistent in the way I I. I if I'm if I'm showing it or telling it that that's how I would do it. The same as the same as I you know in, in especially in, in screenwriting they say you know show don't tell it like right. you don't want all that much ink on your page. You want you don't want characters sitting around describing the plot because you want to just show the plot. And I think the same is true with my fiction. I, I think I I I just want I, I want to follow interesting characters through an interesting period of their of their life and and that's it. I'm I'm not interested in in going back and talking about how the character was raised and where they grew up and on the right. farm and the dog they had and because because and, and yeah that fills pages and you know some people really do seem to like to read these really long involved stories but i get bored with that right. when i'm reading stuff um i i kind of want a momentum moving forward and i want to be uh, economical um with with people's time because there's again there's a lot of content out there and i want them to finish the book and yeah you know, so okay, yeah. Uh, the, one of the only real criticisms we've gotten on the book is people were like, "Well, you know, it could have been longer. I would have liked to have more." I heard, uh, it's like a hundred pages or something. Yeah, it? it's a like hundred yeah. and I have no idea. You have it right there. You'll tell uh, one hundred and thirty. Okay, five. Yeah, yeah. You okay. Know. Yeah. Um, you can read. I mean, we've had people say they read it in a night. Yeah. So, which is great. You know, I um, I went back and read Peter Benchley's Jaws a couple years ago. Um, because I'm a huge, humongous. I'm talking about another film in my perennial top ten. Um, Jaws, yeah, Jaws. Oh, oh man, amazing. Um, went back and read the book, and and yeah, you can read Jaws in a, in a in a night. It it mm. reads really fast. Yeah, it's also very it's it's it, it it differs from the film in very interesting, weird key. Say, like Hooper and Chief Brody's wife have an affair. Oh, I know. It's it's which like... is like it's like if C-3PO and Princess Leia were having an affair in Star Wars. You're just like, ooh, what are you doing? What? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's really funny. Exactly. It's... Uh, and the mayor of Amity's all hooked in with the mob and he owes money and stuff. Again, see, see, it's interesting what we're saying. Like the book really gets into like the town's financial problems. Right. But but you see, which, you know, maybe that doesn't exactly have a lot to do with with a shark attacking the, the, the you know, the thing. But it it actually helps explain why because the mayor's the all caught open. up in corruption. Why, right. why is he not bringing in all these fishermen and why is he not calling the coast guard and why is he not? Cause he's trying to like keep this on the DL because he doesn't want people from the outside coming in and finding out all the shady stuff that's happening in the, with the city government right. and stuff. It's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, okay. Oh yeah. It's, it's in one hand too elaborate and too much information. But on the other hand, when you look at it from that point of view, it gives you all the background that you need to understand. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
why, you know, and, and as a book, it works amazingly, but you can see why when, when, you know, they're adapting and you can, you can see why Spielberg and everybody are like, yeah, okay. We're probably, not gonna, yeah, we're, we're just going to put him in an anchor jacket and uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> sick vandalism. Yeah, exactly. So good. The movie is so free. You know, you know, that, that guy's um, the, the mayor of Amity's anchor jacket has its own Facebook page. Get out of here! Does it really? Yeah, yeah. Amity, Amity Mayor's face uh, uh, anchor jacket Facebook page. Yeah, everyone, just just check it out. It's it's good content. Every couple of years, they, you know, every uh, July third, you'll see the post like, "For Christ's sake, tomorrow's the Fourth of July." Like, <laughs> these pieces will be open for business. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Amity means friendship. That, there's a lot of good pulls from the. From That's the, cool. The, from That's the uh, the story. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, before I let you have your life, I just want to say earlier, you uh, you commented how it was hard finding the universal horror films. I was in the lucky position, being a bit older than you, uh, that on uh, in New York on Channel 5 on Saturday nights, we had Creature Feature. Oh, wow. And yeah. every Saturday night, it was a universal horror movie. That's how I found those movies. That's that's the way that, yeah. Every Saturday night. Uh, that's that's awesome. I, I I I did see one, I, I, and I've, I tell the story ad nauseum, but um, I was probably about 10 years old. And right around Halloween, I, fe- uh, I found out they, they were going to show Dracula at midnight on, on, a, on one of the, the channels in Pittsburgh. And it was a weekend night and I begged my mom, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm maybe eight, I think. And I'm like, right. Oh no, I want to watch Dracula. She's like, okay. Okay. You can stay up till, you know, whatever in the morning. So I get down, I'm, I'm, I'm on the couch. I got my PJs on. I'm all ready, you know, da, da, da. and I, it comes on at midnight and I probably got through the Transylvania part, like those first like 20 minutes asleep. of the film and totally Bloodsucker city is available now on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And this podcast is available to be subscribed to given a five-star review and something you can share with your friends for classic tv check out the tv retrovision podcast and for superheroes there's voices from krypton thanks very much for listening and we'll see you before the next sunset